1: As you know, the conflict in Gaza uh, continues and we'll be talking with Oliver McTernan, a conflict mediator and director of Forward Thinking, about how the whole situation might be resolved, uh, how soon and what the mechanisms would be. Uh, But first of all, the Department of Foreign Affairs has said it strongly advises all Irish citizens still in Lebanon to exit that country as soon as possible due to the ongoing volatility in neighbouring Israel. Joining me now, Declan Power, Defence and Security, expert. Declan, good morning. Morning, Pat. Um, Is this a wise move, a prudent move uh, or is this a bit over the top?
0: Absolutely, it's a prudent move. Uh, The conflict is edging closer to Lebanon. It may may not happen but all of the preparatory uh, elements have been seen to come into place The uh, Iranian foreign minister visited there uh, within the last uh, number of weeks and visited with the uh, the leader of Hezbollah. There have been a number of uh, visitations of senior Hamas figures there as well. Disturbingly enough, not just meeting with Hezbollah, but with uh, members of the uh, Lebanese government. So it's expected that the uh, Hezbollah organisation in Lebanon in general are just waiting for instructions from Iran. Yeah. and now, now, Iran, uh, you know,
1: sitting pretty there, although subject to sanctions, but not subject to any conflict and in fact contributing to conflict by supplying drones uh, to Russia for use in the Ukraine war. Uh, so in the middle, you've got Lebanon and it looks like Iran would be happy to sacrifice the economy uh, and the people of Lebanon in their ongoing battle with Israel.
0: Very apt observation, Pat, and not for the first time have they done that. Both Syria and Iran callously and cynically used Lebanon as a battleground. Uh, against Israel and the blood of the Lebanese people uh, was liberally spilled uh, in that pursuit. We are very quick to point the finger at Israel and often with due cause but we shouldn't forget the callousness of other countries particularly other Arab countries in using both Palestinian and Lebanese ordinary citizens as uh, pawns in their their bloodthirsty quest. Mm.
1: Um, What is the attitude? I I know you've worked in the region and so on. Uh, What is the attitude to them? You know the way the Irish were regarded as second class citizens Citizens in the United States when they arrived there first and uh, certainly in Britain. Um, is there kind of a, a hierarchy in the Arab world of, of if you like, nobility?
0: Well, yes, I think there is. And so it can vary according to country to country. But the reality is that uh, the Arab world has done very little for the Palestinian people uh, and hasn't done a whole lot either for the Lebanese. But to be fair to the Lebanese, they did drag themselves up by their bootstraps uh, after the worst of the conflict had ended uh, in the earlier parts of, uh, of the noughties. Um, the tragedy is now, and this has been said to me by uh, Lebanese people themselves, who are watching aghast at what's unfolding. If the Lebanese do take this, uh, you know, the step to get into this conflict, they will pay for it hugely, and not just in terms of, of lives, but in terms of their economy. And they they've been told that they're not going to uh, the purse strings are not going to open from the international community to help them rebuild as quickly as might have been the case before. <clears throat> so it would be a gross act of self sabotage. But the the unfortunate thing is even if you did have um, that awareness. And I think there is that awareness in certain quarters of the Lebanese establishment. They don't have the strength to move against Hezbollah. Hezbollah intertwined themselves similarly to Hamas in, with the civil population, particularly in South Lebanon. There's a totally different relationship between the ordinary citizenry of South Lebanon and UNIFIL. That wasn't the case, even at the worst of times when I and other of my comrades would have been there in the 90s. The you know, unfortunate and early death of Private Sean Rooney last year is an indication of that of how Hezbollah uh, have uh, manipulate and bully uh, the local population. They have been engaging in military uh, a military build up in terms of recruitment, training, stockpiling of ammunition. Now, the UNIFIL mandate is to observe and report, and by maintaining their stance there, even if a conflict breaks out, they will lessen the severity and perhaps even the depravity of that conflict, as they did before in the nineties during the bombardments of the likes of Operation Grapes of Wroth, Uh, oftentimes with with great risk to themselves and and cost to themselves. But the, 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 the reality of what Lebanon is facing can't be underestimated. And the Lebanese themselves probably needed better assistance from the international community not to let Hezbollah become a state within a state. I think we could have done more within the EU. Some of these things are coming back to haunt us. And we shouldn't just be looking at this conflict as being purely one between Israel and Palestine. There are broader elements to it and there are responsibilities that were neglected outside of just Israel and Palestine.
1: And uh, the pursuit of the war, this is a very familiar ring to it. Um, The scale of the atrocity by Hamas is is larger and uh, I suppose more devastating than Israel has ever suffered before, but the the response from Israel predictable and also its scale more horrifying than before.
0: Absolutely. but And I think you're going to be talking to somebody about you know finding roots out of this. And one of the things we have to bear in mind, I think particularly in this country, where we just look at this in too binary way, and black and white way, and we hibernicise it. You know, we, we, we look at it as a replay of, of Ireland's battle against imperialism. And it doesn't help matters because the reality is there are decent, ordinary people on both sides being very, in, in Israel and Palestine, being very badly served by their leadership. But Israel is the democratic country here, and there probably will be a change of government at some point. And the best way to try and influence them is not to maybe keep hectoring them. Uh, and I think so. Therefore, obviously, they have to be condemned when they are engaged in disproportionate uh, military activity that leads to unnecessary civilian deaths. But I think they need to be reminded that the international community do, can and want to work in a partnership with them to end the reign of Hamas once and for all. But that cannot happen purely by military means. It can be a combination of military, economic, political and indeed moral strategic approach.
1: Declan, thank you very much for joining us, Declan Power. Now, across the world, conflict negotiation has played a critical role in wars, in hostage situations and in peacekeeping efforts. And as the situation in Israel continues to unfold, there have been more calls for a humanitarian pause in an effort to save the thousands of civilians caught up in the conflict on both sides. Now, joining me now to talk about all of this is a conflict mediator and director of Forward Thinking, Oliver McTiernan. Oliver, good morning. Morning, now, what does forward thinking do? Well,
2: we've been focusing Pat, entirely on the Middle East and the region around it, the Gulf Minna region, um, trying to promote what I would say a sustainable stability over the past tw- um, 20 years. But we see that by engaging on all sides, um, all people that have a part play. Our focus is always at the political level. So in the Israeli-Palestinian situation, we have engaged with Likud, with the um, religious nationalist parties. Um, We've taken numerous um, members of the Knesset to share the Irish experience, which I think provided helpful insights. But equally, we've engaged all sides on the Palestinian side. All of the groups, including Hamas, Islamic Jihad, and especially the people that are often overlooked, the independent groups in Palestine. And as I say, the aim is to try and have an inclusive process that can lead to some sort of durable thing
1: in the region. Oliver, you know, when you say what you've been doing, and it seems commendable work, but the conclusion is it has failed.
2: Yes. It has failed because we can only do a certain amount. Where it has succeeded that is, is it shows that on both sides that there are people, good people, who do want to find a durable solution. Um, We know many Israeli political figures in that category. Likewise, Many in uh, all across the Palestinian factions, including Hamas, we've been working with people who do see the only way forward as a political process, as we had to discover the hard way in Ireland.
1: Now, the, the the question of hostage-taking and uh, what use hostages are, I mean, there are 220 hostages held by Hamas, some of them military personnel, uh, most of them perhaps uh, civilians, and then the counter-argument is there are 2 million people plus being held hostage by Israel and uh, have been so for a long time within the Gaza Strip. Um, the The question of the Hamas hostages, though, how useful are they?
2: Well... I would say first and foremost that the taking of civilians, as Hallett Michel recently said, was a mistake in the the um, field of battle. Um, I think the civilians will be looked upon as a, a liability in the sense that, first of all, let's be very clear: what happened on the seventh of October, the indiscriminate killing and the indiscriminate um, taking of civilian hostages was reprehensible. And I think among the political leadership in Hamas, that is recognized. When I met with some of them in Doha um, just a couple of days after um, the the horrible offense, um, that was recognized. And, you know, there was a clear intent then, I think, to give or repatriate all of the civilians without any preconditions. But the tragedy is that in the present... Continual bombardment of um, the Gaza Strip. I mean, it is just not safe in any way to move people around. And I think we do, first and foremost, need a lull before that can happen. Now, the distinction I'm making is between civilian and military um, hostages taken. The military were always seen as a bargaining chip, sadly, because we're talking about people's lives as well. But they were seen as giving leverage to release the um, numbers of Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jails who would not have hoped of release otherwise because there is no real um, review process in, in the Israeli system, military system at the moment. So sadly and wrongly, I would emphasize the taking of military personnel, Israeli military personnel, was seen as this way, a bargaining chip for release of, of Palestinian prisoners.
1: The, the problem, I suppose, is that those civilian prisoners who were taken hostage, I mean, the other fate that would have uh, awaited them was death. If they weren't going to take them with them, they would have killed them.
2: Well, again... Um, You know, Pat, I can't speak on behalf of those who behaved in such a barbaric way, I would say, that the indiscriminate killing of civilians. But I just wonder, in the mayhem that seems to have happened for a whole six hours, whether all sorts of individuals, psychopaths, whatever, crossed into Israel and into the kibbutz. And maybe some of the horrific scenes we have seen, is as a consequence of that.
1: Now, the question of international law, the Geneva Convention, the rules of war, and the Israelis, and we've had the Israeli ambassador on this program arguing that the rules of war, where, for example, human shields are being used by the enemy as places to locate their rocketry and so on, that these become legitimate targets, and they would also say that they've warned people uh, to remove themselves from uh, those kind of places. On the other hand, the sheer horror of what we're seeing uh, on the news video and uh, private video that's emerging from Gaza is utterly shocking and reprehensible.
2: Pat, we've heard that accusation endless times, you know, that the people of Gaza 2.3 um, million 1.4 million of which are on daily food handouts from the UN we've heard that they've been held as human shields anyone who knows Gaza anyone who has been to Gaza knows that the Gaza is the most densely populated place in the world I would say and um, it, it you know requires a careful um, targeting, um, and not too careful targeting, I think is irresponsible. Um, We saw during the Yugoslav War, I don't know if you recall, how careful um, the bombing of Belgrade took place. I mean, missiles were able to go down the street, turn the corner, and identify the particular building. I'm sure that targeting is still possible today. What I fear we're witnessing is that Israel is understandably, and I stress understandably, in a state of collective um, trauma. And they're acting as a traumatized, a collectively traumatized government and military. And I fear what they are doing will have long, immediate and long-term consequences. The immediate consequence is the human catastrophe we see unfolding before our eyes in Gaza. The long-term consequences I fear will be that it will be extremely difficult for Israel to find its place in the Arab world after this. I'm in touch with many Arab, um, when I say Arab Gulf, Middle East foreign ministries, and um, we had a meeting actually in Doha, or in in, um, Moscow, about three days after the 7th of October, and the, the feelings... Strong feeling, and Saudis and Iranian officials were present at that, and there was a shared feeling of revulsion at the level of bombardment. Then we now see it even ten times worse, and several thousand people dead. What that, let me say? What I found most disturbing um, was last night to witness the UN bickering, bickering over words bickering over actions, an organization that was set up to preserve peace. They were bickering while real lives, people with real feelings, real hopes, aspirations, are dying every single day. Our own administrator in Gaza, who wasn't Hamas or militant or anything, he was bombed in his own house with with his young family. These are the stories that will come out. And and I think will truly horrify a civilized world when when we hear them.
1: Oliver McTernan, conflict mediator, director of Forward Thinking, thank you very much for joining The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.